I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Lost and Refound Podcast. This is Yvonne, and I have Yan here with me today. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Yan. I'm really excited for our guest today. We have Mita Drew Gay, who is an executive from a multinational financial service firm with 15 years of experience. And he has really interesting life management strategies based on ancient Indian wisdom called Vedanta. And his work has been published. We're very excited to listen to him today and hear what he has to say about his subject, as well as how we can apply these activities and these situations to our everyday life and with our own relationships. Please help me welcome Mitya Drew. Hi, Mitya Drew. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you, Yan, for inviting me. And hello, listeners of the Lost and Refound podcast. I'm really excited to be part of the podcast. I have listened to all your, you know, most of your episodes, not all. And I really like the chemistry between both of you. And you talk about different things. So yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to share what I learned. And also, uh, I'm going to learn from both of you as well about life. <laughs> we're still definitely beginning students of life for sure going through the ebbs and flows and I've certainly especially with Ayurvedic wisdom and being a new student in that I'm very interested to learn about your own philosophy great and one thing I want to add I was thinking about the name of your podcast and it is it is so relatable to philosophy of life because we we all are you know looking for that happiness which we lost and how we can find strategies, ways, principles to find it back. So yes, yeah, so it's, an, it's an interesting name of your podcast, which is related to philosophy of life. It, yeah, it randomly came up because we were thinking about names. I think we were talking with another one of our friends about the podcast and just different names that came about. And I was like, I just want to refine myself. And so lost and refound just became like this funny pun. So I'm very appreciative to hear you say that, especially because we do get that comment a lot about just how to refine yourself. Right. And also why, I don't know, like, why is it? Why is it that we as humans just naturally are getting lost within ourselves and in these wisdoms that we have and just need to refine? And I definitely still struggling with that for sure and looking for my own higher purpose every day <laughs> right yeah and i think this is where i'm really looking forward to our discussion today with you today Mitaru, because um i am in 
a point right now I'm trying to refine myself again. Yvonne knows I have been going through um, really bad depression for the past, uh, past few couple of weeks have been really bad, but it's been a while. I just didn't really notice it. So now I'm back in the process of refining myself. And I know your practice is going to really help me as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. So can you tell me a little bit about your practice? When did you start learning? Why did you start learning? And how has it changed your life? Sure. So let me take you back to India, where I, I grew up. And while growing up in India, where we have so many religions, rituals, and my own family was practicing some of the rituals. And I always had this question, why? Why you're doing this? Why you're doing that? I never got an answer. So I used to run away from religion, rituals, spirituality, because to me, there was no logic and reason why I should do certain things in life. Uh, so I, I used to run away. So I, I was uh, a black sheep in my family because I was not following rituals. And just to share one incident, I remember when I was in standard eight, uh, it was my final exam. And I did not do well in my the previous exams I had in the school. And uh, my family told me, I think you should wear a pearl ring that is good for you, that brings good luck. I said, okay, I can wear it, but I'll take it up as a challenge. I'm going to wear it for three exams. And if the exams are not going well, I'm going to remove it. So I, I literally wore it for three exams. It didn't go well. And I, I, I took it off and I told my mom, it's not working, what you just said. So I'm not going to wear it for the rest of my exams. Irony is, when the result came out, I did score well. Though I thought I was not doing well, but I did score well on those three exams. Uh, but, but yeah, having said that, as I mentioned, I was always, you know, away from spirituality, religions, rituals and everything. Uh, and I, I worked in India for eight and a half years and I moved to New York seven years back. When I came here, one thing I really noticed that people were talking a lot more about depression, stress. They're talking about students taking drugs which was almost unheard of because I was to go through subways and trains and there is those posters talking about all those topics. So it really made me thinking like, what's going on? Because everyone you know, growing up in India, I mean, it was a dream for me to come to the US and not even a dream. I never thought about I'll, I'll come to the US and here I am and I'm seeing all those things which, which I did not know when I was in India. Uh, so I, I started getting involved into various uh, nonprofits, working as a consultant, just trying to understand what's going on, what are the you know pain points in the communities. I, I was I was doing it for a couple of years, and then uh, six years back, one day at work, I started asking myself, I'm at work for eight hours, but I'm not productive. I I may be productive only for fifty percent of the time, maybe sometimes thirty percent of the time. I'm working on a report, but I'm thinking about what I did wrong in the previous meeting, or I have to respond to that email. That question came up. I thought, okay, one day, but it never left me. The questions became more and more. I was like, why I'm not productive? What's wrong with me? It started bothering me. And the easy way was to go to internet and search how to increase productivity. I started doing that. I read a lot of articles. I watched YouTube videos with millions of likes. Nothing satisfied my query. And one day in one of 
our uh, friends group chat, I was forwarded a video where a person talking about productivity at corporate. Uh, it was a five minute video. And he asked a question to the audience. Tell me how many hours uh, you are productive. What's the percentage? The people started saying oh, 50%, 20%, 30%. I said, oh, wow, I am in that team. I am not 100% productive. So let me see what he's, he's going to offer. Then he said, do you know why? So no one responded. And he said, we don't work properly or we are not productive because either we worry about the past or get anxious about the future. So that really resonated with me. And then he said something very fascinating. He said, you need to learn productivity from a child. So everyone's like, what? I need to learn productivity from a child? He said, yes, because if you really look at a child, they don't have you know, worries about the past and anxiety about the future. That's why they are so energetic. That's why they're jumping morning, noon, at night, though we are stronger than them, though we are not as much physically active as a child. But pre-pandemic, you come back to home from office and your child says, dad, mom, I want to play with you. And he said, relax. I had a long day at work. I need to take a break. You know, we'll play with you. And children got a little disappointed that, you know, mom and dad don't want to play with me. But why? Because they don't have that worries and anxiety. So we need to learn that from a child. So I, it was really fascinating to me because I never heard this concept in any of the videos or, or articles that, you know, I was, I was following. The cool thing was there was no name. And I was so inspired. I used to watch that video on my way to work every day for six months. And it was agitating uh, for me because I did not know the name of the person. One day I was almost frustrated. I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll just go to Google and type what is of the past anxiety of the for the future. And then my teacher, whose name is Gautam Jain, who has uh, the nonprofit Vedanta Cultural Foundation, his YouTube interview came up. And I figured out he conducts classes in New York and New Jersey. And one of the classes was right next to the train station. I was passing every day for my work. So I attended the first class. He quoted uh, one German philosopher, uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, who said that it is difficult to find happiness within oneself but it is impossible to find anywhere in the world. So that really stuck with me. So I, I started attending his class, it started with one class and then it become two, three, four classes. And it's been five, six years now. So I've, I've been now an active you know, volunteer of the foundation uh, of Vedanta. So Vedanta is an ancient Indian wisdom. So it has like Veda, it's first part and Anta, which is second part. So it's a Sanskrit word. So Veda means knowledge and Anta means end. So it is end of knowledge, a culmination of knowledge of human life. And which is really fascinating to me was that all these texts which were written 5,000, 6,000 years back, I could see that it makes sense today. There is a logic and reason in, is in place. And one thing my teacher told me that it's a hard work. So you need to study it. You need to get up every day in the morning. You need to study the knowledge. So it's not like, you know, you can get it very easily. You need to put your heart and soul. So I started putting that effort and then started seeing a lot of benefits at work, at home. My wife was originally not following that, but she must have seen some changes in me in a couple of years. So, she, so both of us now are students of Vedanta.
Oh, you'll have to also um, give us the link too, because that sounds like a great learning stage to really get a lot of good foundations. Yes. I think foundation of you know, Vedanta is to really understand who you are. Now, if you really look at who you are, primarily we talk about your physical body and mind, but Vedanta also talks about another component, which is intellect. So intellect is part of us. We can say it's a rational side of our personality, which makes us think or reason or judge who stops making us taking emotional decision. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm a diabetic patient and Yvonne, you ask me, Mitodri, why don't you eat uh, this chocolate lava cake? My mind will say, wow, you love chocolate lava cake, so you need to eat. My intellect will say no, because if you eat this chocolate lava cake, you need to take insulin shot. So intellect is, is it's like an adult and mind is like a child. So the focus of Vedanta is how you can develop your ability to think and reason and judge and, and question, right? Never take anything for granted. And perhaps I need to first admit that I don't know how to live my life because we have everything where it has a manual. We have a manual for a phone, manual for a laptop, <laughs> but no one teaches us how to live our life. We think, okay, we are living, so it's taken for granted. I mean, those concepts when my teacher taught me and, and his teacher, uh, his name is A. Parthasarat, so he's a world-renowned philosopher. So he established an academy in, in India 30 years back where there's a three-year residential course. We only talk about how you can develop your thinking process, but I'm not allowed. So it's only people between the age of 18 and 30 are allowed where you know they're starting their life and, and can learn that knowledge. But you know people like me, so we have now e-learning where all those courses which I teach taught by Swamiji is, is on the e-learning module, which I do every day, every day morning. Okay, so I think on this podcast, we talk about a lot about understanding your emotions and understanding your intuition. So where does intuition and emotion come into this practice of Adanta? So emotion, I think, plays an important role in, in all our life. So the way uh, you know, Vedanta looks at emotion is that, okay, you should have emotion, you should feel for others, you should have pure emotion, but you need to decide your emotion. Your emotion should not drive you. That's the crux. You can have all the emotions, but if you know, emotion takes over you and then you don't know where you're going to end up, right? That's the key role of emotion. In terms of intuition, yes, I mean, intuition has, has an important role to play, but again, it has to be backed by logic and reason. For example, let's say a doctor who is, who's been practicing for years can look at a patient and diagnose what he or she has problem with, but that's an intuition, but that is backed by the years of study and knowledge. So it is very important to, again, have anything that you do backed by study and you know, knowledge and reason, like why you are doing it, how you are doing it, because otherwise we don't know that why, if we just let emotion loose, we don't know where you know, we, we are going to you know, take our life. And that's why emotion or mind is compared to a monkey, because a monkey has two features. One, it moves from one branch to another branch because so you have multiple thoughts, right? Maybe I'm thinking about, I have to do this project in, on Monday or I did something wrong in my last meeting. So that's like we're moving from one thought to another and within the same thought, either you can go to past or you can you know, go to future. Mm. So, so it's very important to you know, take control of your 
mind. So that's what I think one of the quotes, you know, my teacher is, you know, you control your mind, then you control your life. Right. Because you can have a monkey mind that those thoughts can just jump around um, for whatever reason or to every, anything that you desire, anything that looks sh- really shiny. And I really want to dive into that, especially when you're talking about different teachers and different classes and between your, you and your own intuition as you're trying to develop that. Because yeah. I think that that's also a hot topic in terms of false teachers. You have to be discerning yourself what information is good for you and what information isn't good for you. Because I, I think that's also really difficult now that we live in an age of information we have to be able to understand what is good research what is a bad fact what is not real and what is an opinion so we do talk a lot about that as well and i wanted to also learn from you is that something that you recommend for your students as well yeah sure before i you know, decided to you know there are thousands of teachers and and classes you have on that subject right on mindfulness and spirituality so what i did was i listened to you know some of my teachers lectures and i also listened to some other lectures on the same topic and i figured out that end of the day everyone is talking about the same thing that's the underlying theme it's about how you can have a higher purpose in life and if you look at any religion i think that the bottom line is how you can reduce your selfishness how you can reduce your ego that's the base of spirituality mindfulness and i figured out okay this teaching of vedanta of my teachers talking about the same now what is different i think what i found interesting is that most of the other courses i had never seen having a question answer session so it was like one sided a guru is coming and telling and people are taking notes um, that was one in our class we have one class only for q and a where people just ask questions and my teacher answers and he always tells i mean there are some classes you know where we hardly read the text because people have questions i found very interesting that when someone is asking question and in at our level and i think oh i can also relate to that question than reading a text and reading an explanation you know of, of the text so that i found very interesting having in q and a and getting an opportunity as a student to ask ask questions about life and spirituality third thing i found interesting there's a structure and system in place there are 12 books written by my teacher's teacher who has there's a course is as good as if you want to become a doctor first you research okay which medical college you you want to go to you then you shortlist one and then you shortlist one and then you surrender to that course you you follow first second third fourth fifth year and and then you don't go to another college but with what happens i've seen with spirituality with some of my friends i mean they try to read so many things to me that is bad in a way because a you are trying to consume different informations and it becomes difficult to process it because it is very important to go deeper than you go horizontal because if you go deeper and deeper i mean that's how we build our habit because we do something for days months and years and that becomes part of us so that's how i i look at it because if you want to transfer your knowledge to the wisdom you need to live that and then you need to do it same thing every day almost same time so that it becomes part of our system so yeah i mean so so that, that are some of the things i found very interesting the, the course i am doing because you know i have these opportunities mm-hmm. to to ask questions there is a structure in place where i need to study every day morning so i think it's it's important that you know if you want to choose a teacher a course you know give it some time ask questions and if you see that okay the answer you the teacher or that person is giving is satisfying you then you should go for it mm-hmm. uh, it is it, it's the same way like you, you want to go to a, a new restaurant right you you ask your friends you ask for review 
you just don't go to a restaurant because you do your own research. Similarly, <laughs> for, for you know, anything in spirituality also, I think you need to spend some time because as I mentioned, no one teaches us how to live a life. So it is very important that we spend that time to decide which course you want to go and take time. But once you decide it, just stick to it and then just follow. Have faith in your teacher. And when I say faith, I'm not talking about blind faith, which I've seen in most of the religion. I'm talking about faith backed by logic and reason. It's the same faith where you know that who is your parents. You haven't done your DNA test. I know nowadays people do it, but how do you know they are your parents? Right? Because it is backed by logic and reason because they are taking care of you. you, you it's not like you know random event, right? So similarly for you know, spiritual study, I think it's important. Not in, for that matter, anything. Uh, you need to do your you know, research, ask questions. Does it make sense? Is it applicable to your life? And that is resonating with me very well right now, especially my Renaissance soul. I'm reading a book called The Renaissance Soul, and it talks about this very specific thing where I have this tendency to want to do lots of things because they are shiny, because they are new, or I think I, I'm good at them or want to do them. While digging deeper in myself, I'm realizing I'm doing all those things because I'm avoiding focusing on one thing because it's scary. And so I'm using it as a tactic. I didn't know that before, but now I see that, that I'm using it as a tactic to avoid doing the hard things. And I don't want anyone to fall into the same situation. So definitely it took a lot of time to be able to understand that value and a lot of admission, right? In terms of what am I really good at and what do I want to be good at? <laughs> Not because I need to be good at it for a living, but because I want recognition, I want fame. I want people to be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing that you can do that. So really being able to like dive in what my core values are, which it sounds like is a core part of this philosophy and finding what is your truth and what's truly resonating and making you happy. Not other people happy, which is, I understand, a very difficult question <laughs> in this day in life when you're always comparing and seeing influencers and they're doing great. And I, I was wondering if you could also talk more about your students and what are the same struggles that they have? Is it also between fantasy and their own reality? Sure. First of all, and I don't have any you know, spiritual students. I mean, I, I do pro bono career coaching, so that's more on you know, corporate and leadership. Uh, mm -hmm. So definitely if someone asked me, then I said, you know, I'm still learning. But, you know, whenever you know, I have discussions with my friends and we talk about this topic, uh, one important thing is how we can become, you know, self-sufficient. So I think that's the crust of, of everything because only thing you can control is yourself, right? And then we are now dependent on so many other things. I mean, that's the beauty of a human, right? You know, so only thing is that how you can relate to uh, everyone. And, and plus how you can reduce dependency on others' emotion to make yourself happy. I think that that's important thing because once you become more and more self-sufficient, so two things happen. One, you become happy. And then when you become happy, it shows and it rubs off to everyone around you because people get inspired by you. People get motivated by you because if you are happy and then you create happiness in others as well. To me, it's very important like how you know, we work on ourselves. It is, as you rightly said, Yvonne, and we have influencer and people, we want to become someone. But you need to ask also ourselves, look at people who are at top of their fame. Are they happy? If you are, if you're a millionaire, you want to become a billionaire. They always find next thing for happiness. If I get that, I'll be happy. If I get that, I'll be happy. I said, I mean, the goal should be how you can be happy with your present condition. 
and then aspire for more definitely you know vedanta is not telling that you know you don't need to do any work no you need to be dynamic you need to be active but be happy at your present condition then you aspire because you want to become famous but once you become famous if you look at famous people they don't want to get taking their pictures because they run away from fame but they are famous and we want to become you know at their place i was talking to someone and he talked about there's a documentary on hbo it's called the weight of gold which talks about all olympians who won gold and their life it's just full of depression anxiety and challenges but we aspire to become them you need to look at holistically if you want to become someone just you know focus on yourself focus you know how you, know, you can develop the skill in yourself so that you are not dependent on other and then you aspire to do more because that's the challenge of this conflict between you know when you pursue something in the world versus pursue you know something spiritually because when you pursue something in the world you get instant gratification because if you eat a chocolate you get it instantly but if i say okay to become self sufficient you need to put a work of a lifetime i said oh okay it will it is a lot of hard work right <laughs> <laughs> i i don't want to do that i want to eat the chocolate which gives me that pleasure in rush that like oh my gosh like this was the right thing to do i think a lot of the times things that i'm trying to do i'm looking for that external validation being like you're doing exactly the right thing but that longer story and that longer question of is this the right thing for me and having that quiet yes it's a quiet yes sometimes <laughs> and <Yes>. yeah <laughs> and definitely looking backwards and seeing wow like i was doing my passion there and then looking back in other situations where like i was definitely not happy i can't believe i pretended to be happy for so long <laughs> and right mm-hmm. I'm looking back into that and I really want to focus again on what you said before about how much energy we're spending about being anxious and stressed and then you rightly so just asking us to focus that energy on working on ourselves and how much that tra- transition actually is so much more helpful <laughs> and how much energy has been wasted by just stressing about the past and stressing about the future and ultimately leading us to being much more happy and for you do you have a daily routine that helps you or a recommendation that could help people keep reminding ourselves because on certain days i'm sure it's very easy to do and yep. other days it must be harder in vedanta we, we talk about yogas obviously and when i say the word yoga i think i'm sure that you know, they talk about the physical exercise i'm not talking about that so yoga i mean if you go to the meaning of the yoga it, it means to unite which means that again going back to lost and refound right which means we are separated and the, with the help of yoga you can you know unite to our real personality and everything i think boils down to your desire because all of us have desires and what is stress my teacher tells this definition so stress is nothing but uh, mental agitation caused by unfulfilled desires so if you think about where you are getting stressed why because one of your desires is not fulfilled or it is interrupted by someone else so the root cause is desire so now how vedanta deals with is that okay you all have desires so it talks about how you can improve the quality of your desires that's the crux let's say if you have selfish desires how you can make it unselfish right and and then it it becomes much easier for you because when you go to a hard plane so i'll, I'll give you an example 
when we were children, we played with toys, right? Then we became adults, then we don't have any value for the toys because we know that as an adult, there are much more important things, which is much higher in terms of value, in terms of you know, compared to a toy. Similarly, how you know we can escalate our desire. So that's what it talks about. And it talks about three yogas. So which is the yoga of knowledge, the yoga of action, and the yoga of devotion. So I'll start with the yoga of knowledge. So the, the yoga of knowledge is ideally between five to six or five to seven in the AM, I mean, depending on your schedule. First thing in the morning, you study a book or do a course which talks about higher values of life, which talks about higher purpose in life. And it needs to be done every day. There needs to be a system and structure so that you are reading the same book every day, not changing it every day, or if you're following something. And you need to do it before you look at your mobile, you look at your emails. So first thing you get up in, and, and then you read this book or, or this article or, or any scripture for that matter. So I, I do e-learning every day morning, first thing for one hour. And also it is important that you should not overstretch it because if you study too much, then it takes toll on you. So, I mean, and that's a different problem altogether. So it, it is very important to study for one hour, one hour, 10 minutes max. Then you start, second thing is yoga of action. So here we're talking about how you have a higher purpose in everything you do. So for example, if I'm working for an organization, so my goal could be how I can get more salary or more compensation, or it could be how I can serve this organization, how I can achieve the goals of the organization. And I have seen that I applied that. When I changed that attitude, I've seen that you know, my manager is telling me, oh, I, I want to give you more responsibilities or I want to give you promotion, for example. So just in a thinking beyond your uh, selfish goal and have an objective, which is like, okay, what's your company objective? And if you work towards that, and if your company performs better, then it will take care of you as well. Um, so, so having this unselfish goal, second is at family, right? Let's say, you know, if, your child wants to watch a show which you don't want to watch. Instead of thirsting, no, I don't want to watch this. I don't like it. Uh, you know, just just spend one hour in watching which you don't like, but you're just doing it. You're doing a service to your child. You're doing a service to your spouse. And you will, again, you will get that in return because next time your spouse, your child said, okay, my mom or my dad did that. So I'm going to do that. Again, it takes some time, but you get that back. Again, I think you don't do it because you want something from them, but you but you do it because you genuinely feel that you want to serve, right? So the focus is more towards you know, duties than rights. I mean, and if you again look at history, that that's what happened with you know Japan and Germany after World War II, because everyone came together because those countries were devastated. It just took 20 years because everyone said, okay, this is my duty to serve my country, and we need to. Uh, you know, rebuild it and look at what happened, right? So if you just you know, shift your focus, focus on your duties, how you can serve, and then like what I get from someone, that that changes the whole complexion. It's not easy and it helps because what you're doing in the morning, because every day morning you're studying and gradually those higher values getting instilled in your mind, then you can practice more. Mm -hmm. So throughout the day, that's the yoga of action, just talking about how I can serve others, 
right? How, you know, I can put other interests first than my own selfish interest. Mm -hmm. And the last yoga is yoga of devotion, which talks about having an awareness that is something higher in life, right? We forget that we have 24 hour supply of oxygen, right? There are millions and you know, bacteria inside our body keeping us healthy. We have eyes to see. We just take this thing for you know granted. So again, acknowledge that you have so many things. Have that you know attitude of gratitude um, because there are so many people. What we have, and imagine like if you lose your eyes, you may want to give everything you have <laughs> to get those eyes back, right? So having that, I think attitude and awareness, there is something higher in life important. Uh, I also watch uh, you know documentaries about nature. A flower gives fragrance, it doesn't ask for, oh, there's someone to take it or not, or I don't like this person, or I like this person, so I'll not give fragrance, right? So you know, nature documentary really inspires me. Um, and, and also, I, I make it a point to think about how many people helped me to reach where I am. There were so many teachers, my friends, who supported me while growing up or at work, and it just reach out to them and ask like how they are, is there anything you, you can do? It comes the importance of intellect because there are so many problems in the world. You cannot solve each and every problem, but at least you can pick one and focus on that. I mean, that would be a huge help. So again, the, the yoga of devotion, which talks about having that attitude and an awareness, there is something higher, something bigger than our little personality. So if you really look at a lot, lot of a time, right? I mean, just talking about one hour, every day that's that's about it and then you have this attitude of you know service you know, having those goals so i find it very useful to you know practice every day and that helped me you know me and my wife we did not leave our house for almost a year for except few days and we did not go crazy because of this subject <laughs> because it gives us so much happiness and and peace and whenever we get distracted, it helps us getting back to our focus. Like, because there is, you know, when you feel frustrated and agitated, because there are so many people out there fighting and here I, have, I am at home, I have everything and now I'm complaining, oh, why, why I don't do this? Why, you know, this has happened. Uh, and so, so yeah, these three yogas, I mean, definitely helpful. To me, it's a it's a lifetime commitment. Yes, yeah. I yes. mean, obviously, it seems work, and and you know, it makes sense, right? Because your first thing in the morning, you're Whoa. learning something philosophy wise. You're getting your mindset right for the day, and then you spend your day in service of others. Usually, we all feel better when we're serving others. So, at least for me personally, and I know for Yvonne as well, I feel better when I'm serving others than when I'm serving myself because I get so much more out of it. And then, lastly, yes. is always having gratitude for everything you have. And I can see how that makes you a happier person. I feel like more people need to hear that because I feel like this country is missing a lot of that, that we need to have the spirit of being in service of others instead of being in service of ourselves. And I feel like that's the biggest issue I see now with capitalism is children here many times are raised with the philosophy of serving themselves, you know, um, do everything so you can become rich and powerful. Instead of, I feel like a lot of philosophy for me, at least I saw growing up in, in Asia was, is more a collective community minded in that 
you're working hard in service of your country, of your community, of your neighbors, of your family. So you have, I feel like you have a lot more purpose, which is, I think, it's really easy to see with what's going on right now in our world with the pandemic and how quickly a lot of Asian countries are able to put a handle over it because even a lot of European countries too, because they're raised in a community mindset where we're wearing masks to help each other. Whereas you hear a lot of people in the US complaining because they're only thinking about their own comfort, right? I don't have it. Why should I have to wear a mask? So it's a very different philosophy. And I feel like this is a philosophy that, well, this is the kind of message I want to get out more with our podcast because I feel like more people need to hear about this kind of philosophy and this kind of thinking. And this should become the norm over how a lot of people are being raised now in this country being all about me, 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 is not going to be for the better of the entire planet, which we all should be working toward the same goal. So I think that's really important. What I actually really, really would love to hear from you also is um, you started this podcast by talking about your journey, right? You went into looking and searching for more because you were looking for uh, ways to be more productive throughout the day. So how has this vendetta uh, practice helped you with your productivity? I'll, I'll come to that, but I, I think you talked about an interesting thing and I was, I was reading uh, today and it's part of my morning study about likes and dislikes. Like everyone has likes and dislikes. What I am is I'm is all about my like, likes and dislikes, which are, which are pampered throughout my childhood and adulthood and people around me. It's like, oh, I like to do this, do it. You don't like to do it, don't do it. And, and you, you talked about the mask thing, right? It doesn't matter what happened to people around me. I just don't like to wear a mask. So, like, you know, instead of thinking about what I ought to do, we go by, you know, what I like to do or what I don't like to do. And invariably, and, and there was a verse in, in one of the uh, uh, texts called Bhagavad Gita, which, which tells that what it likes to do, it's, it's great in the beginning. Uh, it says actually, literally says nectar in the beginning, but poison in the end. And what you don't like to do is like poison in the beginning, the nectar in the end. I'll give you an example of exercise, right? Starting, it's a pain, but once you get on to exercise, you know that it is going to help you throughout life. And look at, we like to eat junk food. Nectar in the beginning, but poison in the end. I think it, it's another aspect we are taught about. Don't always you know, go by your like and dislike. If you think that you are getting carried away, just step back and say, is this right that I'm doing? And just going by my like, is it right thing to do? Step back and look at the larger picture, right? Before just thinking about this one tiny thing. Right. Sorry, I digress, but I just read it today about likes and dislikes. Now, uh, coming back to at work, uh, one example you know, I'll, I'll give is about the meetings. What I do now is that if anyone comes to me for a meeting or sends me a meeting invite, I ask several questions. I first ask, is this necessary for me to join this meeting? Am I going to add any value or I'm just part of 100 other people and I'll end up doing multitasking. If the answer is I'm not going to add the add value, earlier I used to accept, now I said, no, I'm not going to accept. So that's the first filter. Second filter I put it is that, okay, you want me to join the meeting. And I also ask now the subject that we are talking about, do I have any of my team members who can join that meeting and maybe much more knowledgeable or maybe one of my peers who can add more value? Answer is yes, then I'll say, okay, you know, 
invite my team member or my peer, not me, because they can add more value. And if both earlier conditions are not satisfied, then I join the meeting. So that saves me a lot of time because earlier my calendar was full. Now I consciously, very mindful about which meetings I'm joining. Am I adding any value? If I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. And also when I invite others for meeting, sometimes I do 15 minutes, sometimes I do 40 minutes. I don't stick to half an hour, one hour, depending on the subject. So that really helps helping me because sometimes you don't need half an hour to talk about something, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's on meeting management that I've started applying. So that gives me a lot of time, which I reinvest in other projects for productivity. And also at the beginning of the week, I decide like, apart from my you know, day-to-day work, what are, what are some of the work on strategy I'm going to work on? So I block my time where I said, okay, mm-hmm. this is just to think about, as I mentioned, like what my organization is looking for, what's the organization strategy. And then I block time every week to work on, on, on those projects. Uh, that has been you know, really, really helpful in terms of productivity. And at work, I've been involved with projects on diversity and inclusion, uh, corporate responsibilities. So you know, working on this diversity and inclusion, I've been learning so much. Uh, you know, I didn't learn before you know, George Floyd incident happened about diversity and inclusion, what's happening in the country. So it's an eye-opener for me. That, to me, I think helps my overall personality and leadership uh, skills because you're not just doing your work because you're doing different other things where you're applying your thinking and that helps you, you know, shape your career. So that's something uh, I work with my juniors uh, because I have been helped by so many mentors and my managers. So, and we talked about gratitude. So what I do, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a pro bono career coach. See if anyone reaches out to me on LinkedIn, uh, if they need any help on their career leadership, they're facing some challenges, then I, I work with uh, those individuals, you know, helping them navigate uh, those challenges. Because I, I think everyone knows what is right, what is wrong. Uh, but the problem is how to apply it. Yes, exactly. That is right? the biggest challenge. We all know overeating is bad. Smoking is bad. Right uh, or you know heavy drinking is bad or drug drug abuse is bad. So, but how you control yourself not to do that? That's something I work with. You know, some of my mentees who need you know, help in their careers. I love the tip about the meetings. Um, that's something definitely I notice. I do all the time. I'm in meetings all day long now. I work on e-commerce and I work with a cross-category campaigns. So I work with every single category and different departments. So I'm literally on meetings all day. And what I notice is a lot of times I'm multitasking. So I'm not really listening in the meeting. I'm not getting the information I need. So I have a lot of questions later and I had to ask people because I'm taking up something else at the same time. Right. So I'm definitely challenging myself to see, do I need to be in this meeting? Because my entire team's in this meeting. Then do I need to be in there? Or can I be in this meeting? And then they don't have to be. And I just tell them afterwards that saves them time. And then they can be in some meetings and saves me time. Um, And also, my husband is the CEO. So he runs the company and he's implemented a new rule that says, if you feel like you, you need to multitask in this meeting, then you don't need to come to this meeting. That means you don't need to get all the information. And so he says, you know, if you come to the meeting and I get an email from you or a chat yes. from you in doing this meeting, I am not going to be happy with you. I'm going to have a conversation with you because when you're in a meeting, I want you to concentrate hundred percent. And the same thing, he doesn't just hold like 
an hour long meeting. He's like, here's what we have to talk about. And then let's, let's get off and work on other stuff. So that definitely does help a lot. And I can see how when that frees up more time, allows you to do other things that you might be interested in. And that makes your day, like you said, a better day, right? You're not just doing this one thing all day. Now you have a different things to break it up and make it more fun. And in turn, you get more fulfillment, more gratitude out of it. Yeah, I, one, one thing Vedanta taught me is also to say no to things. It, it is very important because again, we always want to do a lot, a lot of things. You want to help people, but at some point you need to say no, because, because your capacity is limited. So you really need to figure out how to best utilize your, your capacity, your, your working hours or your, you know, waking hours into other things. And and as you rightly mentioned, Ian, that because if you're multitasking, then A, obviously you are not in the meeting. B, it is also hampering that work that you're working on. Just stop saying and just saying no to things that you think you're not going to add value, it helps uh, a lot because you reduce your quantity, but your quality. Yes, and I think that's really important too in the middle of pandemic, right? Everybody's working from home. So I always see more and more and more meetings. Yes. And this is where we need to set boundaries and say, do I have to be here? If Do I have something else that's more important than, than this? And then make your decision. Yeah, most of the meetings, you know, what happens is that one person says something other person may be saying the same thing in a different way. Some others say, yes, I agree with you. Some also say, no, I don't agree with you. What you have achieved after Wana? That's a funny thing. That's so my, true. Yeah, my consistent <laughs> feedback every single year of my boss has been, you need to talk more. You need to speak up more in meetings. But I'm literally like, I, I'm comfortable speaking up if I have something to say. I don't want to sit there and just speak for the sake of speaking so we can, so people hear me and we can keep the meeting going longer. Like that's what frustrates me every single year when I review is this, this exact comment, you have to speak up more. I think two things happening because when you speak more, you're just speaking what you know. And when you listen, right. when you listen I think you're, you're getting understanding more, you know, your, your knowledge is improving. And Exactly. And what you just said, Ian, that you know, when you don't speak in every opportunity and people ask you to speak, the chances are more they will listen to you and they will implement exactly. what you say. Yeah, because they know when I do speak, it's something important. I'm not just blabbering all day, all, all through in a meeting, just so people know I'm speaking. Right. And you're right. I mean, during pandemic, we really need to be mindful about how you're spending our time, how many meetings we have. And is it really giving giving us anything, right? And I'm so glad that you guys have both brought that up because we were laughing about that very same thing um, at my own workplace because as well as like everyone wants to speak up in meetings, a lot of the times they come up with solutions and problems that cannot be solved in that one hour as well. So I've definitely become more vocal about saying, hey, let's take this offline and either we'll do another meeting or I'll just send an email about this because it's not worth taking up everybody's time <laughs> to go into this one little detail and be conscientious. I think that's part of where being able to lead with empathy and being able to work with empathy, understanding like where other people are coming from and being able to put that through in, in the workplace, I think has been something I've been trying to practice more. Ask the question, do you really need a meeting or you can just call someone and get that? I've seen that in a... Oh, you need something? Just let's let's set up a meeting, and then we'll figure out in the meeting like what you want to do. I and mean, that's <laughs> that's that's the productivity yeah. killer, right? Yeah, and it's not just that. It's let's set up a meeting, invite the whole team because we don't know who to talk to. <laughs> You're just like, why am I here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, if you, these are like small little tips, it's not 
complicated ideas but if you apply and implement those ideas i mean you, you can create so much space in your calendar and you can do more things and that will help you in your career uh, to grow one thing i want to talk about as you're talking about career uh, is also um, and i did not know when i was, I was growing up so we also vedant also talks about swadharma and paradharma so i'll explain so swadharma means your own nature and paradharma means your alien nature so when a, a child grows up right i mean he or she, he or she has certain tendencies so oftentimes what happens you know parents or teachers or society say no you need to study this because this is good for you you need to study that because I, when i was growing up i was told you need to study either engineering or medicine i did neither of those two but again i'm not miserable uh, but and a lot of people a lot of my friends i mean they succumb to that because their parents told and they thought okay you know i if i you know become an engineer i'll get a good job but question is that is it your inherent tendency right so so that's what you know vedanta also talks about that you know for children like you need really need to identify your that inner nature that person has a talent you know let let's uh, you know encourage that person to pursue that instead of you know pursuing what's more profitable in, in you know in, in terms of workspace and then that's such a good point yeah so and then then you have paradharma which is like alien nature so where you get a lot of money but you are not happy because that's not your talent that's not your nature so end of the day you are miserable you are stressful but you may you may earn a lot of money every day morning when i first learned the concept i used to write down what i am good at what i like to do uh, i did that for one month and then after one month i just looked at like what are some of the common things i i wrote most of the time and then is there something i can do uh, either at my job or you know as a side hustle that really helped me to like really figure out like what's my true talent what's my what's my nature what i'm good at what i can do even if i am not getting paid and and then you know pursuing whatever we can you know based on the you know, current situation I, i like that practice i think that's a good practice to to have people try you know i want to try just every day write down what i like that day and what i like to do and then over a period of time kind of looking for that commonality to especially with people that like i at this point i know what i like to do but i know a lot of people are confused and like what's their dharma yeah. you know what are they meant to do what do they like to do because a lot of, many of us have so many interests but how do we get that focus right and i think this practice really will help in in isolating your, your focus and and really for you to get, get a better understanding of what is your dharma what are you meant to do on this earth and what will ultimately make you happy right And another thing I'm really passionate about is what you said about, you know, being for me personally being a child from a Chinese family and Yvonne as well. You know, all of us being yeah. Asians, we know when you're born, especially in China right now, if you're born, your entire life has been planned out by your parents. You know, what school you're gonna go to, what class you're gonna take, what are you gonna learn, what are you gonna become when you're adult. So they don't even take account into at all into what you like to do or what you might be good at. But everything's forced into this like. You, know, you become a doctor, you become a lawyer, you go into business or engineering, like four options that you can go into. And recently in a, I read a book called Anxious People and they had this quote that says, we don't want our children to pursue their own dreams or walk in our footsteps. We want to walk in their footsteps while they pursue our dreams. And that when I read that, I felt like, I felt such connection with that quote because I felt like that's exactly how I felt I was led, right? My parents wanted me to grow up to for this job that they 
had wished that they had gone. Like when I was younger, my mom wanted me to play piano or play the flute because they wanted to learn it and they didn't have the opportunity. So now they seen as what a blessing that I can provide you with this opportunity without asking me, hey, do you want to practice instrument? Do you even like the flute? Right. You know, uh, instead of forcing me to practice every single week and eventually I stopped playing because that's not something I had any interest in myself. So I think it's really important for parents going forward to really recognize that we cannot force our dreams onto our children. We need to for, for them to figure out what it is they, they liked. Like we need to observe very closely to see what they gravitate towards to. And still, of course, encourage them and motivate them. And sometimes you have to push them a little bit, but at least you're recognizing this is something that they truly love to do versus something that they just have no interest and you're just literally forcing their, them through tears every single day. Yeah, I think one of the you know, challenges I've seen with parenting is that, you know, there are times where, you know, parents ask their children to do things which they don't do. Children observe that, you know, you know my mom and dad telling me to do something, but they don't practice that. So then, <laughs> then they're not going to do it, right? So, uh, yeah. So, so, so that's I think it's important, you know. So, though I'm not a parent, but you know, I've seen that you know with my friends and families, where you know they want their ch uh, child not to look at phone, but they are always looking at phone, and they will always you know, yeah. so it's not going to work, and that's what happens. That you know, yeah. children want to leave their parents because so they said, okay, no one is going to tell me do this, don't do this, do this, don't do, <laughs> don't don't do this, right? So I think so it's very important to be set yourself as an example for your child to follow then it becomes naturally for the children you know to, to follow their parents yeah that's i'm a parent and that, that definitely happens in my household i always tell my husband you can't tell the kids to clean if you don't clean right. <laughs> or you can't tell the kids to eat vegetables if you don't eat your vegetables yeah. And i'm i'm just like laughing because i'm thinking about even as i'm trying to plan for my own children we have those same type of questions like, well, this is the school we want them to be in. This is the location we want them to grow up in because I believe this is a great community. I never once thought about what my baby would want. I'm not even pregnant right now and I'm already thinking and worrying <laughs> about that particular aspect. And I just also want to bring out that no one knows the future, right? Like, and even now, if I had known that YouTube or even podcasting was going to be as big as it is now, I would have started way longer, but no one, you know, no one knew that no one could predict. And so that's just like such an interesting thought to always look within yourself to like, you can make that future. You can make that future and follow that path that was meant for you that you always had inside. I know that we're coming up to time. I definitely want to be conscientious of your time. Is there any way that we can find you and our listeners can look for you? Sure. So I definitely encourage everyone to go to Vedanta Foundation website, which is vedantausa.org, uh, where you get to know all about the subject, about my teacher, he came here uh, for his uh, graduation and then he was on the verge of getting jobs on Wall Street. And, and then he actually he asked in, in one of his interviews, are you happy to one of the senior managers? And he said, no, because, because I want to become a country head. And then he said, oh, if he's not happy and then why I'm going to waste my time 20, 30 years and get to a place and then I'll say, oh, I'm not happy because I want to become a country head. That was not one of the drivers, but you know, he, was, he was sparing us in one of the classes that you know, he went back to India, you know, he studied for 10 years and now he, he came back and he, he teaches. You know, we have like Zoom classes. Anyone wants to start from basics, uh, Tuesdays, Tuesday evening, 
6.30 Eastern. So we have uh, this class called The Fall of the Human Intellect, which I mentioned earlier you know, on, our, on our podcast that you know, it's about like how you, you know, can think, how you can you know, take care of yourself and take care of your own, own life, right? So definitely you know, visit the website vedantausa.org. There's a section called Life Lessons, which talks about you know, different aspects of life, you know, relationship, stress, leadership, and how Vedanta approaches those subjects. In terms of, for me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Again, my name, Mitodru De, easy to find. I'm a pro bono career coach. So if anyone you know, needs help on their career, um, definitely you know, I'm available because as I mentioned, I've been helped by um, so many people. Last thing I would say, and it, this is, and what's happening uh, in this society. And I know there's, there's a lot of anxiety and stress so I think thinking is very important. And I'll share one of the quotes, which, which my teacher mentioned in all the classes, where you know, Hitler said that what luck rulers have because men can't think. What luck rulers have because oh. men can't think. And if you, if you look at what's happening around you, so we all need to develop our thinking so that no one can come and tell, tell us like what to do and not to follow the herd instinct because everyone is telling because we have it within us we just need to develop that and and you know again make yourself self-sufficient so that you can control your life uh, and control your mind and then you'll be happy beautifully said which is very profound and scary <laughs> yeah at this moment in time. And yes, we are, we are so, saying it right yes to be honest when you said Hitler said, I was thinking, I where is this going? Go. <laughs> and then when you said the quote, I was like, oh my God, that is literally our times. I mean, that is quote for our times right now. <laughs> yeah, and being discerning, right? Like who is saying that and why? Like there's in, there's intention there and being able to sort that out and use your own intuition on whether that value and intention is, is for you. So thank you so much. We really appreciate your time today and we hope our listeners uh, really appreciate this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a great time, uh, and definitely it was it was very engaging discussion with both of you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll link we'll link your contact information in our in this episode notes as well as our website as well. Sure. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back on your show in future. So. Yes. Yeah, we look forward to it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye. Bye.